Hi guys, welcome back to this week's episode of Millennial Mirrors, a discussion on millennial life in the Middle East. So this week's episode is about citizen responsibilities. It's one of the episodes you guys actually requested when I was asking for topics for season two. And I've brought on Noor Abed, who's done a lot of uh, work in this space, and she's done some amazing things from the age of 14. Uh, you guys are going to be super impressed with the things she's done, if you don't already know. So listen in to hear what we think being a responsible citizen means. This episode is sponsored by Carriage, a great app for ordering what you need in a super convenient way, with no minimum orders. You could literally just order a cup of coffee. So welcome, Noor, to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Super excited to have you. So can you tell people who don't know who you are a bit about yourself and just kind of introduce yourself? I'm going to introduce myself. Go for it. The intro. Uh, so I'm Noor Labaid, also yeah. known as Noor That Bakes on social media. Yeah. Um, I am uh, a food and beverage consultant, but I also am a human rights activist. I started a nonprofit organization called Bacon Educate about mm-hmm. 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, and it is the, um, I was the youngest Kuwaiti to ever start a nonprofit organization recognized by the UNDP. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm very active in quite the food scene and the human rights scene. Amazing. So that's So you it. started Bake and Educate at the age of 14. I did. What inspired you to do that? Okay. So um, I just need to give you guys a little bit of background on Bake and Educate before yeah. I uh, explain how I got into it. Uh, Bake and Educate is a nonprofit organization. We work with schools to cover tuition fees for underprivileged students in Kuwait. Mm-hmm. Uh, we work with private schools because Kuwaitis do have government schools free. Right. So we tend to work with expats, uh, minimum wage families, low wage families, low income households um, to cover the tuition fees for their kids. Um, what got me into it mm-hmm. was uh, my mother is not Kuwaiti. Right. So I tend to see the other side of the life in Kuwait that usually mm-hmm. is towards expats. And uh, around 2009, yes, 2009, it was the peak of the instability kind of in the Middle East. Right. And a lot of families I personally knew started to struggle. Mm-hmm. And the families I knew were well-income, high-income families. But I started to see the struggle with the low-income. I was working. My mom always works with schools. In general, she likes to help out, tries to see what anyone can do to help in general. Volunteer work, donations, etc. And I remember she came home and uh, the list of students who could not afford their tuition fees was 21 pages long. Oh, wow. It was an insane amount because it was just after the market crash. It was the political instability in Kuwait. uh, Not in Kuwait, sorry, in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Kuwait was one of the only places that was stable at the time. And everyone kind of was just worried about what's happening to their businesses back in their countries. Right. Um, And I was like, what can we do to help? Right. Of course, think of me as this little 14-year-old who just <laughs> discovered her love for food. Yeah. And I was like, let's have a bake sale. Okay. What I didn't know was how Bacon Educate, I couldn't imagine how Bacon Educate was going to grow from there. The amount of support that I got, the amount of people that just started showing up. I'm telling you people I didn't know because it was in the newspapers. Mm-hmm. KTV had covered it. A lot of like media Kuwait local governmental media was covering this young girl who had never who doesn't even speak a proper word of Kuwaiti. Yeah. <laughs> in mind. And I'm on all these national television shows. Don't really know what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, but people, there was a lot of 
good and there was a lot of bad that came out of it. Yani there was a lot of support, but there was a lot of criticism at the same time. Um, so we started it off and it was a bake sale once. And then I was like, you know what? Let's do this again because mm-hmm. we got such a good turnout. Let's do this again and again. And it started to become a bi- biannual thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I then traveled to university. Mm-hmm. When I came back to Kuwait, uh, I would kind of do an event every single time. I'd come back winter break, spring break, summer break. Right. I would try to make up for the time that I was lost. Um, and then I started working with cafes when I moved back to Kuwait. Okay. Uh, the first of them being 20 grams and then all these local artisanal specialty coffee houses who were like, we love your food. We love the cause. Start supplying us regularly. Amazing. And all the profits would go to the schools. And I'm so proud to see so many local concepts, young adults in Kuwait pushing for this help. They, they're they like, you know what, Nood? It's two in one. It's our CSR and we're getting good food and it's yeah. business. And it's such a nice cause. And from there, it just grew. And So what kept you going at 14 and even the years following that when you were dealing with the criticism or when you were dealing with all the, like, the difficult situations? I mean, teenagers are not easy at the best of times. So Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> what kept you going? Um, I'm a very ambitious person. I'm okay. super ambitious. Like, you'd consider me an overachiever. I can't. If I if there's a challenge, mm-hmm. I'm not going to back down. Like, if I don't succeed the first time, I will keep doing it until I win. I'm the sorest loser you'll ever see. Okay, good <laughs> like, to know. Like, don't play Monopoly with me. <laughs> Do not play Monopoly with me. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, people kept telling me, oh, you're not going to do it. Oh, you're not going to do it. But it was something for me that I felt good about. Mm-hmm. I didn't mind. Of course, it got to me. Mm. It got to me at some points where people were telling me, ah, you're wasting your time. Oh, you're just a kid. You're so naive. Definitely got to me because you're talking about a very young, impressionable teenager. Right. Thankfully, I have a strong, like a very strong family, very strong support system. And it was them that kept pushing me to kind of go, keep going. You're doing well. You're doing great. Keep going. Um, my family, the the social scene that I was in was very supportive. Um, and it made me happy to see that, honestly, people were were you know, reacting to it. Whether good or bad, people were seeing there's a, an issue that needs to be helped. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's why I wanted you on for this specific episode, because this episode is kind of about how to be, you know, uh, a good, responsible member of society. Um, so what does it mean to you to be a productive member of society? Okay, so I am all for people who are very business-oriented, their productivities and their work, their profit. But a productive member of society um, is someone who does something for society, who mm-hmm. makes a difference, who makes an impact. No matter how minimum, an impact is an impact. You're changing at least one person's life. And it's a simple act of um, doing something that I think is amazing in that they did in Kuwait was pay it forward. Mm -hmm. So when you buy a cup of coffee, you can actually pay for another one. And certain local coffee shops were giving out those extra cups of coffee during the winter to the labor workers on the streets. Amazing. To keep them warm. They need something to drink. It's little things like that that I feel are things productive members of society need to do. Um, and, uh, And I feel like if you do one thing that will... Help, it snowballs. Right. Someone else is going to do it and someone else is going to do it. It's going to snowball into an effect where the entire community comes together to do something good. And how, I guess, how do you feel we're doing as a region in terms of like how productive our members of society are? 
We are, we're a country that generally is built on giving. Mm-hmm. Definitely. We are named, our Amir is Amir al-Insaniya, the, the, the man of humanity. Right. Um, and we are known to give. However, in Kuwait or in the region in general, we tend to give but sometimes forget our own people. Mm-hmm. We we tend to forget that there are struggles locally that need to be addressed. There are issues that need to be addressed. Um, some that are in the process. I'm very happy to say are in the process. Yeah. Whether it be our infrastructure or um, our, our social issues, um, whether it's the kind of, I wouldn't say political issues, but political social issues that are happening economically. There's always someone that's pushing forward to change. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy to see our generation is going for it. Yeah. And our generation, I'm 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 seeing is not giving up, yeah. which is so awesome. So how do you activate members of society to kind of make them, I guess, want to do more or be more productive in your opinion? I find uh you activate them by give by by actually putting them in a situation where something this issue is is affecting them. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about how bad the health, like not that how bad the healthcare system is, but how slow the healthcare system was in Kuwait until I faced something in my family that was something to do with health. Right. Um, my mother got sick a few years ago, and unfortunately, the hospitals didn't have the equipment, even though we had the doctors that had the know-how. Mm. We didn't have the equipment to complete the procedure. Oh, and wow. when we okay. asked why, they were like, oh, we don't really keep it in stock. It's not something common. And I'm like, but it's supposed to be in every hospital. My sister's a doctor. Mm -hmm. So when she heard this, she was like, wait, wait, pause. (laughs) What do you mean we don't have the equipment? Um, And I find when I talk to people on a daily basis, they don't really see that. But when I talk to people whose families have had that struggle, they are extremely active. They write kitab, they write kutub, they write, they're on social media pushing for Mm -hmm. it. There's a lot of... Activeness. There's doctors that are advocating for we need to renew this now. There's yeah. these new hospitals that are opening. Amazing. We're we're going. We're going in that direction. It's just taking a lot more time than it should. So it's about bringing the issue kind of home to people. Yes, because uh, really, let's be realistic. If it doesn't affect you, you're not really gonna you're not gonna see the magnitude of it. So outside of I guess activism, what do you feel are people's personal responsibilities to the society that they live in? Uh, our personal responsibility, there's a lot of personal responsibilities, okay. especially in a society like ours, because we are a small society. Mm-hmm. There's, It's not like we're a huge amount of people, like, in, let's say, regionally, Saudi. Yeah. Saudi, if everyone does something tiny, it's okay, because yeah. you're talking about a very big population. Right. In Kuwait, we all need to do something. We all need to advocate for something that we believe in. Mm-hmm. Little things like Ramadan, everyone gets involved. Everyone does some sort of iftar um, sa'im, uh, they yeah. do some sadaqah, they do something. Ramadan, you'll find, is the most peaceful time in Kuwait. Well, b- after iftar. Yeah. Before iftar, <laughs> everyone's just really angry. <laughs> like, don't drive on the streets. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's things like that where during Ramadan, you see such keram. Mm. You see such generosity. It needs to come through during the entire year. Because we have so much to invest in. Yet not everyone's investing. The food and beverage sector, it is booming. It's the what people are investing in insanely right now. Right. Um, but we became oversaturated. Mm-hmm. And so now people don't really know what to do because yeah. there's too many concepts and not enough people. Right. I admire 
a lot of local places that went and didn't open in Kuwait. They opened in other areas in the, in the Gulf because they were like, okay, we have too much. They don't have enough. Let's help. We're injecting into other people's economies. We're helping. Um, but there's no, there's no proper uh, investment in the arts, yeah. music, um, uh, art, actual fine arts, um, uh, dance, all of these arts, food, like, I mean, actual artisanal cooking, proper yeah. training. There's no investment in that. And you feel like outside of Ramadan, where people are all about kind of being active in, there I guess, giving, yeah. the rest of 11 of months, nothing kind of happens. Nothing really. You see some projects go through. And there's one I really, really admire that's been going around for a while. Gray Area. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm-mm. It is um, advocating for the children of uh, Kuwaiti mothers and mm-hmm. non-Kuwaiti fathers. Right. So it is everything from non-Kuwaitis who have Kuwaiti mothers, but also to Badoon, mm-hmm. to all of these issues. And there, it's an awareness campaign. And it's beautiful to see that people are like, hey, it's not just during Ramadan that we need to help out with this. Right. Um, Iftar al is great during Ramadan, but why not do it th- throughout the whole year? True. I, I always say this, during Eid, why don't we give out during during the rest of the year? And during the winter, I participated and also I tend to do this I did this when I was in the UK we used to do care packages in the UK you have a lot more of like obvious poverty mm-hmm. um, homeless people etc right, yeah, here you don't see it too much here what we do during Ramadan which is awesome and we do it during Eid is we make care packages they're Ramadan packages right. for families so to have um, rice milk lahem dates whatever everything that's or like canned goods mm-hmm. There are things that you can use over time. It's not just for right now. And it helps significantly. What about like the schools and the universities? Are there any initiatives happening there? Um, I see quite a few when I work with like things like Injaz. Mm-hmm. Injaz really does try to put that um, power to the, to the youth. Um, but they're young. I, I do give speeches. I do give speeches to a lot of schools like ASK. I graduated from ASK mm-hmm. and they bring me in all the time. I love it. BDS yeah. has brought me in a few other schools and it makes me happy to see that they're like, hey, come talk to our kids. We want our kids to do something. Right. Um, but they don't see or maybe they don't see the magnitude of these things, these issues in Kuwait. So what are your main messages that you try to give to those kids? First of all, um, Look at others, other people's lives. Know you're blessed, mm-hmm. but also know that there are people who are struggling. You need to help. It is your, it is your duty at as a citizen of Kuwait and as a citizen of the world. I yeah. know that sounds really cheesy, but it is your your duty. Yani, we donate to all countries in the world. Donate to your country. Put your effort in your country first, and go from there. That's why when I worked in Kuwait, I. I have been planning and trying to work with refugee camps for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother is Syrian, hence why the Syria cause is very important for me. But um, I've been trying to do this for a while. Before I got into that, I was like, I need to tackle the problem here. Right. Because there is so many organizations, international organizations, helping with this crisis. Right. However, there are no, you don't see... UNICEF, you don't see whatever in Kuwait doing this because we are not considered a crisis. Yeah. However, there is a crisis within our society. It is below what we are used to. So when we see people on the streets, we see people getting harassed. It's the, just a little thing. If you see someone getting harassed on the street, why don't you help? See, You see Wahid, he's a, 
like verbally abusing or physically abusing a worker on the street, people just walk by. Yeah. Why? This is something that needs to be tackled. There needs to be a discipline in Kuwait. There needs to be a disciplinary system. There, unfortunately, we've stopped respecting that system. Yeah. And that needs to change as soon as possible. Agreed. Okay. That's a lot of good points. And I want to continue this conversation, but we will be back after the break with Noor Abed. This episode is sponsored by Carriage UAE, where you can get everything from food to groceries and even pet supplies. As someone who orders pretty much everything, I pay a lot in delivery charges every month. But now you can sign up for Carriage Black for 20 dirhams a month and get unlimited free deliveries, which saves me a bunch of money so I can order even more stuff. If you haven't tried it out yet, go to your app store and download the Carriage app. Check out the episode description of this podcast for more info. And we are back with Noura Abed. Hi. Hi. Okay. So let's jump in with another question. Um, what role does being knowledgeable play in being a responsible part of society? Uh, being knowledgeable. Um, education and knowledge are two different things, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Knowledge is having... Seeing more than just what you learn in your books. Knowledge is life experience. Knowledge is the lessons you learn throughout time. Um, Being knowledgeable and being a responsible citizen are very well connected because you see things in the society or in your community that you don't if you're just looking at a book. Mm -hmm. It's life lessons that are learned. And having that knowledge of how the system works, what goes on in the community, what what issues are are we facing that's all knowledge that someone needs to have and towards putting into being a responsible citizen so you're knowledgeable about okay there's five issues in front of me mm-hmm. how do i tackle them right and it's life experience no one can teach you this no one can tell you this is how it goes you need to learn it yourself it's life experience do you think people do take the time to be knowledgeable about what's going on in their community and their society or do you think because we're in the uh, binge Netflix series and, you know, beyond. If they did a Netflix series about the issues in Kuwait, everyone would be knowledgeable about it. (laughs) They would binge watch it. I swear, I think we should definitely do one, but just kind of not mention Kuwait. See how it booms in Kuwait. And then people are going to go, this is Kuwait? No. Um, Bess, um, I think there are a uh, a lot of young adults that are really, really... Um, pushing for an awareness on the issues that are in Kuwait. They have something called the Cultural Duania, which is an open area where people can come in every month and discuss a certain topic. They bring in experts. Mm -hmm. They allow people to actually vote. What do you guys want to talk about this month? Um, They bring in experts. It's an open space for people to say, speak, discuss, understand, question. We need that kind of discussion. Yeah. I I collaborated with the Cross-Cultural Duania. With uh, my co-founder, Majid, because we wanted to talk about media and what people wanted to see more in the media and transparency and stuff like that. They are such an amazing group of people. And like the people come ready to discuss and ready to debate. And it's super rich conversation. The cross-cultural duania, Nakashna, there's so much coming now. And I'm like... Shout out to Nakashna. They were on season one of Millennial Mirrors. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Nakashna, by the way, I love the concept of it as well. Nakashna shows you how to properly debate. Yes. Let's say cross-culture duani, you're discussing, you're learning. Mm -hmm. Nakashna, you come in ready, you're stating facts, you're arguing a point. This is what needs to happen. And 
Respectfully. Respect. Definitely. Yes. Oh my God. Finally. Yeah. Um, we have a place where you can debate these things respectfully. Yeah. Because we don't have a history of doing that. Yeah. Um, and it's all about you're making a point, but give us the facts. Yeah. Why do you support this? And it makes people think critically. Why? Okay. So these are the facts. Maybe I was looking at it wrong. And it's it's very it's very um, it's a it's a, high, a step up. Yeah. It's a step up for our young culture because I've seen people at the age of 13, 14 go. And I've seen people at the age of 27, 30, 40 going. And I'm like, good job. Bring it together because you see things from different perspectives. Yeah. No. And I think that's – I think you brought up quite a few good points. One, the respect issue. I think there is a lot of um, issues when it comes to respect, especially when it comes to if you're a citizen of a country and how you treat non-citizens. I think that's something that – Across the region, you can see it being flagged all the time. And there's nowadays, this... it's across the world. Yeah, that's true, actually. And I look at the media everywhere you yeah. go. Brexit. Brexit. Trump, and then you have the, wall, the EU. The... And then you have all the yeah. refugee crisis. And then you have Trump and his yeah. wall. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then you have, by the way, a lot of a, th- a lot of things people don't know is Asia. Yeah. Like we're talking Far East Asia. It's insane. What's going on over there. <laughs> What's yeah. going on over there. But people don't see yeah. Like we hear, okay, we're we're kind of sticking to the western side of the world. The eastern side of the world is pretty bad too. Yeah. Um, and they just don't get as much coverage. They don't get as much coverage because haram fakara. No one cares. China's eating it up. China's yeah. like, hey, the attention's on me now. Yeah. Um. So I'm like, okay, there's a lot of respect that needs to be taught in the world now. Yeah. No, I agree. I think there is the respect. There is the critical thinking. And I think that's something which is going to be more and more important. The more you live in this world where you're being fed information and images and everything they on such a regular now. yeah on such a regular basis 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 <laughs> <laughs> that if you don't kind of have a critical eye towards what you're consuming you're going to kind of get yourself in trouble definitely, quite quickly definitely like i swear to god sometimes i say the world is turning into a season of black mirror yes very 100%. much 100% so. i think the world is just it's like Black Mirror is predicting. Yeah. <laughs> it's predicting. It already started. Right. Okay. So what advice do you have for someone who says, I don't know where to start? Find something you love. Find something you're passionate about or you think you feel so strongly about um, and work. start there. Literally, even if it's just cleaning up your, your uh, what's it called, footage, mm-hmm. or recycle, something. Something that you feel, if you don't have something you feel passionate about, find something maybe that you feel like you are able to help in, something you could succeed in. Um, whether it's uh, which was happened back in the day yeah. where people were going around and fixing their manata. Yeah, yeah, I remember. It was an amazing initiative because it made it safe for your kids to go play in the park. Yeah. And I know we grew up, yeah, we played outside. But nowadays... You don't know safety, my safety, and then the park is old, and then no, but the slide is broken. Yeah. This is a way that people are coming in, even if it's just in your mantaka, the yeah. smallest thing ha- counts. Um, you see someone bench at Seyata on the side of the street, go help. It's, it's, it's the simplest things. Start small and mm-hmm. grow from there. So in your opinion, what's the bare minimum you should be doing to be a responsible member of your society? For everyone, it's different. Mm -hmm. I am big on, in general, CSR for most companies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always tell them, I know that, like, legally there should be a certain amount of CSR. Um, But realistically, is it actually given? We don't know. 
Um, I can't speak for everyone, but I've seen so many locals who are like, yes, we'll do it, even if it's just for free. But you know what? We're helping. Yeah. Um, we're supporting. We're doing. Um, the media does a lot of coverage for that, Yanni. There is a lot of support morally. Best, there isn't a lot of support, let's say, financially. Yeah. And there are organizations that need that financial backing. Yanni, I know a lot of special needs organizations that are going around now. I'm actually working with one called Share the Road, which is about the integration of special needs into the workforces. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now we're working with Down syndrome. Uh, we did such an awesome job. I'm so proud of them. Yeah. Um, because, Annie, unfortunately, there's not a lot of awareness about special needs in Kuwait. Yeah, um, very true. People tend to cringe away. Mm-hmm. I'm not even joking. I physically saw someone cringe away from one of our Down syndrome members. And I was like, excuse me? I, I was I, I was ready for a fight. Yeah, I was like, and I was like, it's okay. They're probably not used to seeing them out interacting. We took over the airport during Eid al-Watani. And we had our uh, our Down syndrome team at Jawazat, stamping Jawazat. Amazing. They were working in transits. They were telling people where to go. They were working at the duty-free. Um, they were welcoming people into baggage claim and all of that. And I looked and I was like, yes, go for it. Do it. Yeah. It's awesome because people are not aware that they're functional human beings of society. There's no yeah. awareness. It's very upsetting. I remember in high school, I volunteered in the Children's Handicap Center, and there were a lot of children there who could be fully functional members of society, but whose, unfortunately, family was ashamed of have it, housing them and having them around and things like that, so they would just put them away. <sighs> that that term, ashamed, gives me so much anxiety. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like very literal upsetting. anxiety because I look and there's so much potential. They're they're active, they're artistic, they're creative, they're smart. And one of our one of our Down syndrome members actually is a lawyer. Oh wow! Yeah. No joke. Worked so hard. Uh, obviously, she's she graduated a lot later than most, mm-hmm. but she is actively a lawyer. And I'm like, yes, one of our one of our uh, one of our girls. Um, she is a speaker for the uh, special needs in Kuwait to the Paralympics. Oh wow. Uh, we have we have a lot of potential yeah. art, IT, like n- so much intelligence, but just no one to invest in it. So now you're seeing a lot of people start to invest and see special needs awareness needs to happen. So if people want to get involved with Share the Road, they can find them, I'm assuming, sharetheroad.com? Uh, share the road. The domain isn't up yet. Okay. We're still in the process of that. Uh, share the road on Instagram or you can... Go through my Instagram. It's on my bio. Okay, cool. Um, uh, it's a really awesome program. Uh, we have actually had um, a few of our members employed full-time now. Um, well, what would be considered part-time for others, but full-time for them. Right. Because uh, there are only certain amount of hours they can really like be out and about. Their energies do drain quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a few that, Twelfobe Jamayit Shamia. Uh, actual administration. I'm talking cashiers or actually helping out. Mm-hmm. We have Jamaat Hukuk al Insan, the human rights Jamaia. Uh, we have Jamaat uh, Muhammin. It's actually I'm so happy. Wizarat al Alam is is pushing for it. Yeah. All these different people are like, yes, okay, let's do this. Wizarat al Dakhliya actually called us recently and we're like, hey, listen, we want to do something with you guys. Our team went to Abu Dhabi for the Special Olympics. Yeah. 
uh, got an, a personal invitation from the team of uh, the people who are organizing it, uh, Dr. Faisal Layan. Um, the Safir, the Emirati Safir in Kuwait is is loving it. <laughs> uh, we actually got a call from Sheikh Joan, which is uh, Sheikh Tamim's brother in Qatar, because mm. um, they have something very similar. Yeah. And they're like, hey, come over. We want to implement this project in, in Qatar. Wow. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and it's so awesome to see this awareness is happening. It's happening in the Middle East. The wave is slowly coming. It's like a tidal wave. Yeah. It's coming very slowly, but yeah. it's coming. <laughs> it's crazy to see what you've achieved at your age, to be quite honest. <laughs> I don't believe it. Sometimes I'm like, nah, it's not true. I can't. But any for me, I still feel like I haven't done enough. I haven't done enough for the world. I haven't done enough for myself. I haven't done enough for anyone. Annie, I was just having this conversation yesterday. I'm too ambitious. I don't have enough time or energy for my ambition. No, but good for you. Good for you. Thank you. I'm trying. But I'm I'm happy to see so many people, especially nowadays, that are coming out and going, let's highlight this. Yeah. Let's highlight all the work that's going on in Kuwait. It's not just me. I'm talking all these young adults. Annie, this podcast alone, it's awesome. You're highlighting so many um, talents and, mm-hmm. and issues and struggles and awesome campaigns happening in Kuwait. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, good job. <laughs> Yay. Millennial mirrors. Yay. So I'm going to ask you three questions I ask all my guests. Go for it. Um, what is the part of your culture you grew up in? The culture you grew up in that you carry with you always? Hmm. The part of my culture that I carry with me always, first of all, is definitely I always revert back to God. Mm-hmm. In that sense, always, alhamdulillah, is constantly on my tongue. Lana, we are so blessed. No matter how little or how much you have, you're so blessed always. Mm-hmm. And there are things we don't realize that are that are that we're protected from. Maybe we'll say, oh, my God, yeah, Allah, I really wanted that. Yeah. You never know. There could have been something bad in it. Yeah. Um, but definitely, that's constantly something I carry with me. And also just constantly, um, yeah. Yeah. That's something as Arabs, as Arabs, Muslims, in general, in the Middle East, we are very familial, like family-centric. Yeah, that's true. Um, so Yemen, no matter family or not, it's important. It gives us life. Yeah. It gives us so that true. positive energy. Yeah, it re-energizes. Definitely. And what is the quality you most value in the people you keep around you? Uh, there's a few. <laughs> not going to lie. First of all, People who are very supportive and positive. Mm-hmm. Um, that's strong backbone that you need, uh, not just in your family, but in your your group that's constantly surrounding you. And if they don't want to make you, they don't make you want to be better, they're not people that you should be around. And um, you feed off people's energies. Sorry. You need to be positive. You need to be ambitious. And for me, I can't be around people who who take things very like, oh, okay, I'm just going to work for my dad's company. They're not really ambitious. They don't have that that fire yeah. that you see. They take things very easy. I'm the type of person that I constantly need to be busy. Yeah. And if I'm not in the kitchen, I'm running around. If I'm not in a meeting, I'm here. If I'm not there, I'm in university. I'm, I'm constantly, yeah, yeah, yeah. like my mom tells me, she goes, hi. <laughs> hi. Is this a hotel? And I started laughing, but she's so proud of everything that I'm doing. And my mom's yeah. pretty active she as well. Be, yeah. She's super active. I got that from her. I'm like, hey, you know, that's a gene I inherited. You yeah, can't yeah, get yeah. mad at me. Um, but uh, that positive energy and that ambition is something that I constantly need around me just to keep my spirits up. Understandable. And the last question, um, yes, even I though do. I think I know the answer, <laughs> what makes you happy? Um. 
Honestly? Okay, this is so cheesy. I'm going to say the funny one, and then I'm going to say the regular one. Okay. What makes me happy is chicken nuggets. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love chicken nuggets, though. Um, uh, what makes me happy is seeing that I made a difference in someone's life. Mm. Whether minimum or not, just seeing a smile on someone's face. Whether it's just by saying, hi, how are you? Like when I'm in university, um, I see all the the workers around, the administration, whatever. Have a simple conversation. Uh, whether it's the janitorial staff or whatever, the security. Hi, how are you? How's everything? I swear to you, it makes a difference. No, Because I first of all, they, they just feel like, ah, hi, how are you? And then you'll see, things just get better from there. Yeah. SubhanAllah, it just constantly, when you do one minimum thing, it comes back to you, like karma. Yeah. Legit. Well, that's all my questions for you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, where can people find out more about you or any projects that you're working on? So I am in the process of trying to build a website. Okay. Trying. Okay. I'm not so tech savvy, by the way. All right. Um, uh, but thankfully, I have friends who are. <laughs> we all have those friends, um, yeah. I'm the, I'm the, the, the kitchen savvy. They're my tech savvy. You know? okay. I'm like, hey, build my website. I feed you. Oh, that's a good trade-off. I swear to God, by the way, this is how I've gotten half the things I've done in my life. <laughs> Just baked goods for people? I'm not even joking. I, like, bake for my professors. I'm like, hey, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> so how about that quiz? <laughs> good to know. So bribery. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. But, like, um, uh, generally, I'm getting that done. Best Social media is a way to get in touch with me. A lot of people kind of message me or email me about projects are working on and I'm always down to help I'm always down to get involved volunteer do what I can just to help you get on your feet okay yeah. so anyone that needs me they can contact me via Instagram Twitter um, email yeah, it's whatever it is at nor that bakes we'll have it in the episode description all right well thanks to thanks to you for being here and thanks to everyone for listening thanks for uh, having me and thanks for listening guys i hope like i kept you guys interested and not too bored no you definitely did and by the way guys i got a message asking me where to leave comments or questions because i always say that at the end of podcast you can always hit me up on my personal instagram or the millennial mirrors instagram both are linked in the episode description uh be sure to subscribe if you haven't already uh you can get me on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and rami or wherever you're listening oh my um, God, that's so awesome i did not know you were on apple podcast yeah of course um, and join me next week for another episode of Millennial Mirrors. This has been a production of Finial Media, and this is Mshar Al-Arnazi signing out. Bye, guys. Bye.